And as we're in this journey and this era now of value over maybe traditional reasons why people would shop, it's so important to listen to why the customer actually is shopping in the first place and what does set you aside, but also their barriers that you could easily fix um, to get that competitive advantage. Today, I am joined by Johnny Casagrande, uh, Managing Director of Digital Agency, the Footcom Group. Johnny, thanks so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. Really excited. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm excited as well. Let's, uh, let's get into some discussions. Uh, first off, tell me a little bit more about yourself and about your company. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been working in digital for 10 years now, um, both brand and agency side. And then about four years ago, I started freelancing a bit under the Footcom name. And about three years ago, um, decided to start my own boutique agency specializing in fashion and footwear, but we do have clients in all different verticals. Um, we have a really good relationship with Meta, Pinterest, TikTok. So we do some incredible stuff with them, which I'm sure we'll go into. And we have an amazing partnership network as well. So a big part of what we do is making sure we can put other clients and retailers and companies in touch with best in class agencies, software providers that we can do um, across the world and making sure that we can get the most out of our network and support clients um, and people within the industry. That's great. Uh, tell me, so, so what what are some of uh, what are some of the really cool clients you've been working with? I mean, yeah, that's Meta, but yeah, some of the e-commerce people. Yeah, hundred percent. So um, we work really close with Sarah Davies from Dragons Den in the UK. Um, her incredible company, Crafters Companion. Um, we've been working with those guys now for just over three years. Um, we we also have the Frasers Group um, on board. One of their websites, GetTheLabel.com. Um, they are a discount sports and lifestyle brands and some of the biggest global brands. Um, and we've had an amazing journey with those guys. But then also some of the more UK based um, national brands such as Modern Pele, um, King Boodle and Mishulu, but also some of our more recent clients. Um, we've had Police, one of the um, iconic British and Italian fashion and eyewear brands. Um, and yeah, a real whole mix of great retailers nice i what you know one thing that i was wondering about is in your position as uh as managing director here what would you say that you do on a, on a day-to-day basis there could you walk us through like a day in the office of this this managing director of a digital agency role yeah definitely i don't want to sound too cliche saying that Please. it's a different, different day every day <laughs> many but, different hats yeah yeah, that's it. <laughs> but a lot of it is making sure that um, we're looking after the relationship with the client. Um, we want to make sure that, again, very cliche, but we are a part of their journey as well. Um, one reason why I believe a lot of clients do decide to work with us is because we do have that real close relationship with all different levels within the business. Um, so a lot of it is understanding their needs, requirements, what's on their roadmap, and if we can support it in any way, um, alongside making sure performance is great, of course, and aligning their business as well with best in class, you know, being at the forefront of paid social. And if that can also support any of their other channels as well, we do a lot of cross collaboration with other agencies and internal teams. So the majority of the day is catching up and <laughs> making sure that we're, you know, on the ball and um, supporting whichever way we can. Okay. So putting together, putting together the meetings, the plans, making sure everything is rolling and going forward. I, yeah. What, what are some of the biggest challenges you face when doing that? Like, what's your, 
what's your white whale, the big trouble that might come up? Yeah, I guess right now it's pivoting the industry and the market. Um, obviously, as everyone knows, we're in a bit of a strange time in terms of e-commerce and commerce in general. Yeah. And it's just of how we can basically support that pivot and how we can adapt the way that we work to accomplish maybe some pressing objectives that they've got that are business-wide as well. For example, profitability, clearing certain stock that maybe isn't shifting for whatever reason. I know that this year, one of the biggest challenges for fashion retailers is the way that the weather has really impacted stock and buying. So we've been combating a lot of them challenges, trying to, you know, focus on certain categories um, and land them sites. Has weather been more of an effect this year than it has in the past then? Yeah, definitely. I feel like especially spring, summer this year, um, we had quite a slow start to the year, um, which put a lot of hold on spring, summer lines. Um, and then at the, the same time with autumn, winter as well, I feel like we had a very short window this year to clear mm -hmm. full priced autumn, winter stock. Um, and that was quite a common trend across the board. So yeah, we were really supporting clients trying to understand how we can clear those lines um, without being too distressed um, and making sure that, you know, we're covering all aspects of the calendar and maintaining competitiveness. Interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I hadn't really thought about how, yeah, the, the influence in the weather here, I just know for my own weather, it, it, it comes up because we don't really get much of a, uh, much of a fall or spring here in Prague. So I, that's how my perspective on it has gone, but yeah. I. Uh, definitely um, being a factor. And also with the cost of living crisis, especially in the UK, that's definitely played a role in how the weather, the cost of living crisis, just buyer behavior in general, how that's changed, especially after COVID. Um, people are a lot more considerate with their purchasing. All of those factors together has made it challenging, but I feel like clients overall have had a really strong year. Mm -hmm. Great. I. One thing I wanted to talk about, you were working at uh, Moda and Pele before you started this agency. What was it like doing that change up going from uh, from your work there to making this happen? What what inspired all of this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first of all, Modern Pelé, for those who don't know, are a ladies footwear brand in the UK. Um, they have been going since 1975 and um, specialise in ladies leather footwear and have a real good retail presence across the UK as well, as well as online. Um, some of the best days in my career were definitely spent at Modern Pelé and they're still a client now. So we've still got a, an incredible relationship with those guys. Um, and we've watched them go from strength to strength, especially online, um, how their web performance looked three years ago, four years ago, compared to now, light years away, they're absolutely killing it. And um, I had a really good time as a marketing manager um, for three years at that company. And like I said, now they're a client of ours. The shift came during COVID because we, I was getting a lot of inquiries from past clients and people within the industry looking mm -hmm. at how I could support their paid social. And it started off with just a bit of advice consultancy. Um, and in the end, I ended up taking a few personal projects on within spare time. Basically, over the last next few months, something had to give. And um, ultimately, it was more of a leap of faith decision. Just go, go for it. <laughs> and um, decided to set up on my own. And like I said, because of the relationship we had, they decided to come work with us as well. And um, still a client now, and we're still absolutely killing it for them. And it's great just to be still involved in their growth, um, considering me and the team had such an important role over that three-year period to get them to where they are today. Sure. Sounds like the leap paid off. <laughs> Absolutely.
one thing that I thought was interesting when I was looking over uh, the Footcom site uh, was you were talking about how social media is evolving today. Yeah. Uh, I, I just wanted to get your perspective on what direction you think it's taking. What's what's changing in the last year or so, or yeah. five years? Hundred percent. I think, um, especially the five years. So, and still today, we suffer with this challenge where some companies don't take social media as a channel as seriously as maybe other channels that historically have been the leaders, such as PPC, email, organic, mm -hmm. where social media is a real key player. And the last three years have really shown that. And I think it's due to do how customer behavior has changed as well. People are on social media searching for inspiration. They want to be shown what their next purchase is and they're looking to be inspired. And that's where social can really benefit them. Not only are we seeing the customer behavior change and how social is complementing that, but also the technology is rapidly increasing. And I don't know any other marketing channel that is changing as fast as social. The introduction to AI and how that is influencing ad performance, ad auctions, personalization, targeting is next level. And it's we're leaps ahead of other channels now in terms of the technology that we can utilize. But then it's also becoming a place of commerce and people are going to social to shop and look and browse. And that's where I believe their behavior has shifted from more traditional channels. And that's where the benefits coming from now. Um, we're trying to make social an extension of their website in a sense and mm. how it's the community side of where customers can go, be inspired and then also purchase as well. So yeah, it's been a real shift from a channel that wasn't taken so serious to now being one of the key leaders in someone's marketing mix. Now it's the main town square where you go with your brand so people can discover it. That's it. Yeah. I. As somebody like myself, uh, who, who comes from more of a, uh, well, I say comes from a content background, who is still in a content background, one of the things that interests me the most is how people in a role like yours keep up with the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if it's if it's reading news, podcasts, articles, ebooks, because I have found ebooks are getting less and less uh, popular, less and less relevant these days. So I, I wanted to know, as somebody who's been working in this industry so long, how do you how do you keep up with all of these evolving trends of social media, all of these new tactics you might recommend to your clients? Yeah, there's a few, to be honest. Um, obviously, of course, there's your favorite blogs. There's a few um, news articles and um, publications that I follow closely that I believe are real good industry leaders. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the fact that we've got a really good relationship with the platforms itself. Um, for example, we've been working with Meta over the past 12 months to really help them develop their Advantage Plus campaigns, which is the new suite of optimization that Meta have launched. And um, we've been doing some real good testing with clients and um, being offered beta solutions um, to support their data science teams on refining these. So we're kind of in the insight by being the test subject in a sense. Oh, interesting. Then there's also the network and I'm a big believer of your network is your net worth. And it's one thing that I've really preached about for the past 10 years within the industry. Um, I surround myself with lots of other social media agencies that some may call competitors and we've got a real good mutual respect of sharing, you know, insight into what's working, what's not working and also basically learning from each other. Same with other partners and um, not necessarily in paid social. It's not just, 
paid social that we kind of keep up to date with. It's e-commerce as a whole. So again, we make sure we network, we get out there and support ourselves with really, really intelligent people who can help us refine how we push forward. Mm. So a lot of networking involved, a lot of speaking with others and and some inside tracks with uh, with Meta. So then yeah, if you were going to be researching a new topic, like if you wanted to figure out... Uh, what are the upcoming trends for this season? Would you then go to one of these networking groups and speak with the people involved or would you go to meta or would you, would you download something to find it? What would be uh, your, your preferred route? Sorry. No, no, of course, a bit, a bit of everything. Um, and we also sponsor a lot of testing. We actually fund as Footcom a lot of testing with clients. If there's something that in particular we want to really focus on, we've done a lot of joint collaborations of testing from a funding point of view with meta as well. <laughs> Um, where we will sponsor some of the testing that we're running with a client. Um, clients obviously love that because they're getting free ad spend and performance um, off the back of it. But it helps us really refine the way that we work. And if there's something that we want to experiment that we think might be a real good change for all clients, we'll come up with a hypothesis and a collaboration, maybe directly with one of the platforms um, to learn and explore. And it is... As, again, as cliche as it sounds, it is all about testing and refining. Um, yeah. If we don't put it out there, these theories and test these new features, we won't know if it works. We've been talking with a lot of our clients at ROI Hunter about shifting uh, to a renewed focus on profitability. Mm -hmm. uh, the last episode that we had with our CEO, we, we, we got a lot into uh, how there's been a shift toward profitability in the industry right now, which a lot of it's related to interest rates being so much higher. So companies can't just keep borrowing money to keep the growth flowing. Um, I, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on uh, on this new, this renewed sense of importance around profitability uh, and uh, what sort of metrics you or the retailers you work with have seen tied to that. Yeah, it seems to be the key word that everyone's talking about at the moment um, and rightly so. I think maybe a few years ago, we had the luxury of being able to test more in terms of throwing cash at things we think might stick, um, where now we don't have that luxury. Profitability um, has been something that a lot of clients are assessing across the board, and we're looking at solutions of how we can support that. And we're doing a, quite a few things, especially with feed optimization, in order to really support where the cash is going with Meta. And there's a few reasons why, and why we're doing this. Um, one thing that we've been doing as well before I go into um, some of the feed optimization is we've been looking at different reporting. So, mm -hmm. for example, we've been looking at impression and cost per product reporting to see where Meta is distributing the products within Dynamic Carousels. Um, we set up a really good report um, called an Impression Insight Report to make sure mm -hmm. that the products that Meta are distributing we have control over that and we can also monitor to make sure that it is the right product because sometimes they do go a bit rogue. Um, I actually have a funny story um, with Please. this example. Um, I have a client that is a footwear client and they also sell scarves as just mm -hmm. an accessory that people can purchase as a kind of sideline. Um, all of a sudden, I got an email saying, we're selling lots of scarves. What's going on? We were selling hundreds of scarves. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, let me have a look. And we basically found that Meta had gone a bit rogue with their... Um, product recommendations in some of the ads that we have running and decided that there was a bit of traction behind scarves so they decided to put all the budget behind it <laughs> and it kind of um luckily scarves have plenty of margin and uh it was a great sell but we had to really pull that back and make sure we were selling the footwear and 
off the back of that, we then made sure that impression share reporting and impression um, monitoring across products was a real priority to make sure that even though we are optimizing these campaigns with certain product sets, with certain categories, with certain rules, we were also monitoring where the AI does distribute these products as well across the network. So that was a real key learning. Um, but we're also working um, on feed optimization as well. So we're pulling through custom metrics like margin of products, um, fragmentation, especially with products that do have certain size runs to make sure that yes, it might have high stock, but are they actually the sizes that are going to sell? Yeah. Um, so we can basically trim away the fat from the product feed. Also as well, putting rules in place of even if there is stock left, is this the kind of product that we want to push because it's seasonal or maybe it's not seasonal um, and utilizing the data we have availability to. And that'd be a bit of advice actually to retailers. Yeah. Um, so much data that you have availability to that maybe you're not aware that can be plugged into performance marketing channels. And I think that's a real key um, thing to assess and understand your tech stack and the capabilities of what data you've got externally that can be put into Facebook and all social channels, to be honest, any kind of feed um, work. I mean, we yeah. have so much data right now. We just, the trick isn't getting enough data. It's using the data that you have. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, actually, I wanted to jump in on one of the things you were talking about there about uh, different sizes. Have you uh, have you played around with at all uh, limiting the promotion of products when they have too few different sizes in stock? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, we've actually worked in collaboration with RI Hunter on yep. this with Mordor and Pelle. We um, worked with their tech, um, development team to create a size scoring rule, um, which basically allows us to put a score in place with the products that have the desirable sizes that we want to sell. Mm -hmm. um, the higher the score means the full size one and less fragmentation we have of the more popular sizes. And that was a game changer for us because it allowed us to eliminate products that maybe had high stock, but didn't have the right size that we're going to sell. Um, an example of that being, if we've got, you know, a size one of size two, three, four, five, six, seven, we right. might have plenty of size twos and threes left, but we know that the five, six and sevens are the ones that sell. So we might want to rule that product or label it just different and we can treat it different um, versus a product that might have a real good size one across the board. Um, and that was a game changer for us because it allowed us to have more visibility of the stock, but from a performance marketing point of view and allow us to treat the stock differently within different ad sets and uh, campaigns. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's great. Not, not just for saving the budget when you're trying to promote the right things, but man, as a consumer, I hate clicking on something and seeing, Oh, I want this. Oh, I can't have it. Okay. Well, yeah, thank absolutely. Thanks for showing that. And it goes back to the value and the reputation and the proposition that you as a retailer absolutely. are putting in front of the customer. Right now, like we said, value is everything. And we want to make sure that experience is perfect for every customer that touches yeah. path with the brand. Uh, well, la last thing that I wanted to get into, Jenny, uh, you, you mentioned a little bit of advice in the last one, but is, is there anything else you wanted to give out to our listeners, uh, advice for e-commerce retailers that might be here? Yeah, of course. Um, the main thing that I'd say right now is listen to your customer. There's a lot of work we're doing at the moment around surveying and understanding their frustrations, understanding the positives as well, what, what's working well. Um, and recently with some of the work we've been doing, there's issues that we've identified that maybe weren't even on our radar, just from purely listening to their experience on site. And as we're in this journey and this era now of value over maybe traditional reasons why people would shop, 
it's so important to listen to why the customer actually is shopping in the first place and what does set you aside, but also their barriers that you could easily fix um, to get that competitive advantage. So yeah, do some surveys with some customers and then translate those positives through advertising, the reasons why they should shop, and then use the negatives to fix and implement um, a strategy to combat those barriers and friction points that customers might be having. Great. Great. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I, it's been a real pleasure going through this with you. You, you too. Thank you very much.